Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Pod for up-to-date info on the show. No rules, no texts, no whistles. This is No Referees Podcast. Welcome back to the No Referees Podcast. Joining us uh, again for another quarantine edition alongside Special Jennings. I'm Everstock Joby. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on our social media pages at No Referees Pod and on our new YouTube channel, No Referees Podcast. Our special guest today is the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorback men's basketball team. He's coached at every level possible, from bitty basketball all the way to the NBA, now at Arkansas. And he definitely loves a fresh pair of Nikes. <laughs> you can find him on his Twitter page and Instagram page at Eric P. Musselman. And you can also follow his team pages at Razorbacks MBB. Thanks for joining us today, Coach Eric Musselman. What up, Coach? How's it going? Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem, Coach. Hey, Coach, I name my show No Referees. Our slogan is no rules, no text, no whistles. So, like I mentioned, you coach at every level. Tell me the very first time you got teed up by a ref. Oh, man. <laughs> Probably my, uh, probably my first week on the job uh, in Rapid City, South, South Dakota, um, coaching the Rapid City Thrillers. That was my first head coaching job. And um, I was 23 years old, um, fortunate enough, again, to coach a, an old CBA team, which, which today is equivalent of what the G League is. Um, so that was probably the first time that I, got, I, got, I heard that whistle and then saw that motion of T. <laughs> was it something that was warranted or uh do you think like you'll tell you remember what happened remember what you said yeah it was warranted i remember the ref's name his name was robbie robinson he repped in the nba for a cup of coffee um repped in the in the in the old cba in the minor leagues for probably about seven years so yeah i, I remember i remember getting teed up by him he was actually shorter than me <laughs> Before we get into the COVID situation, you know, everybody around the country is watching the last dance. You know, you were involved in the NBA. You were coaching the NBA. You coached against Jordan. Uh, I saw some stuff on your Twitter where you had some notes, you know, push Jordan right, push Jordan left, block middle, you know, all that kind of stuff. Take us back to some of those fond memories you have coaching against Jordan, game planning against him as you're watching, you know, last dance like everybody else. Yeah, the first time I was, um, you know, a part of a game that Jordan played and I was an assistant coach with Chuck Daly. Um, and I was an assistant there with, with Coach Daly with the Orlando Magic. And um, our Jordan rules with the Orlando Magic did not work the same way that Jordan rules worked when he was coaching the Pistons. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jordan was such a special player. You know, he was a great post-up player. He was great in the mid-range. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, what would he be like in today's game because of the three-point shot? I think if he would have played in today's game, he would have been an incredibly great three-point shooter because of his, you know, his ability to work and, and, and try to grind and get better. Great in transition, incredible one-on-one -on -one isolation player, but he was a two-way player. Awesome defender who could jump in passing lanes and really, really, really good in, in uh, transition both offensively and defensively. So, um, you know, and then I coached against him when I was in the he head coach of the Golden State Warriors, we played against MJ uh, when he was with Washington. We actually beat 
the Wizards uh, two times that year. We played them once at home and once on the road. And, uh, one of the games, one of our, our, our staff members, Earl Boykins, torched the Wizards. I think he had 16 points in the second half. Those games are memorable. Cleveland, Ohio, Earl Boykins. <laughs> that's him. Exactly right. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland, so that's why. Okay. Well, I'm from Cle- – you, you know Earl from Cleveland, but you don't know I am, so that shows you how much of a better player Earl was than me. I actually went to Brexville. I don't know everybody. That just means you may, you may be a little bit – you may you may be a little older than Earl, but you're, you're on you, – you work alongside or on the opposite side of, of who, one of the guys that coached me. Mike Neighbors was an assistant at Xavier. Um, uh, for my years there, so yeah, oh coach, coach Neighbors, an awesome coach, done an incredible job with our women's program at Arkansas. And before he was here, he did a, did an awesome job at University of Washington as well. Yeah, phenomenal guy. So, coach, take us back to you know a couple of weeks ago with the SEC tournament and this whole COVID situation. You know, when it came down, you you had, y'all had already played one game versus Vanderbilt. And y'all are moving to the next round of SEC tournament. You know, take us to the process of finding out it'll be canceled, what you had to do to get your team back to Fayetteville, things of that nature. Yeah, so we, you know, we were actually uh, getting ready to play uh, game one um, against Vanderbilt. And about four, four or five minutes before tip off, because um, we had the late game, and my son came um, running out. He was on the floor during warm ups and he came back and said that Rudy Gobert, um, or at that time, I guess it was one of the Utah Jazz players. Um, you know, the game was stopped and whatever. And then, I, and then we we went and started our prep for for South Carolina. Um, after we won that game against Vanderbilt, we we thought we were going to play the next day with no fans. Um, we had talked to our team about that, what that potentially could look like. I was an expert in that because of the G League. Basically, you're playing in front of no fans. So I told them what that would be like. And, um, you know, we stayed up really late preparation-wise. And then when I got back to my room, I found out that that Coach Fred Hoiberg um, had been, you know, taken to the hospital after their game. You know, it wasn't the coronavirus, but, you know, he was sick. And at that point, I knew that in all likelihood, this thing was rapidly changing. Um, And so – Woke up the next day, 11 o'clock, breakfast, 10.45. Our athletic director called right before our team breakfast and said, hey, we're not going to play. And the the SEC tournament was going to be canceled. We got on a plane a few hours after that. And then our players got off campus, and they just finished up finals, um, doing it, you know, online. And and, uh, so we've started doing a bunch of Zoom um, you know, conversations with our guys now that now that nobody's around and on campus. So, so what are you know what are some of the things that you and your team are doing? You mentioned Zoom. Are they doing any any workouts? You guys hosting any any workouts? Any of the coaches doing anything? You watching film together? Anything of that nature? Yeah, we're really not doing um, you know basketball stuff right now. We we've uh, every time. Uh, that the last dance comes on, we, we follow it up with, like, what lessons did you learn? Every player is supposed to say one thing that they learned from those two episodes that shows on each Sunday night. Um, and there's been some incredible lessons from that show, but um, we have a lot of new guys, so we're just trying to uh, have them talk about some of what their interest is outside of basketball. We had an NFL theme 
um, the week of the NFL draft where we all wore our favorite NFL team and then explained why that NFL team was our favorite team. So right now, a lot of stuff that's non-basketball related, we hope, you know, sometime in June or July that we can slowly but surely get guys back on campus and maybe start out in the weight room and then eventually lead to one coach with one player and then hopefully, you know, get back into school and, and, and be in a situation where we can actually, uh, you know, get back to coaching our, our whole team. So, Coach, any event that being back on campus in June or July does not happen, you know, what does that look like for, for your incoming freshmen? Well, anytime you got new players and things like that, we use, I know for women's, on the women's side, we use the summer to kind of get them acclimated, get them adjusted. Um, you know, what does that look like for, for you? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, uh, we have a lot of new players. We have four incoming freshmen. It's a top 10 recruiting class. We have two graduate transfers in Jalen Tate um, and Vance Jackson. So that's six new players. Plus we had three sit-out players last year. So that's seven new guys that we've got to implement out of our 13 players. So that's a, that's a lot of work we have to get done from a team bonding. And so we're going to be hurt by this lack of of time together but whenever we do get back we have to be extremely organized in how we're going to uh, go about um, you know our day our daily work and and um, you know that's that's what we're spending time right now in our office is trying to figure out what our offensive and defensive schemes look like what our special teams situations will look like and um, trying to put together a game plan that fits our personnel before you get too far, you're trying to be modest. You said top 10. Everybody knows it's a top five recruiting class. You know, congratulations on that with KK and Devontae and uh, Jalen. But, you know, we got to talk about Moses, Moody, these guys coming in. You got an incredible staff. Coach Crushfield, I know him very well. Like you mentioned, uh, Coach Boykins, you know, a Cleveland native on your staff as well. You know, talk about just that, you know, what it was like your staff going out there and getting these guys to, to buy into the, to, the Razorback program. Yeah, it's so interesting in the recruiting process how everybody has a big hand. And, and uh, you, you mentioned Coach Crutch, but Coach Corey Williams did a great job um, with three of the in-state kids. And then uh, Coach Mosier, who spent the last seven years with the L.A. Lakers, has a big part of our recruiting presentations. We do um, a lot of different things and a lot of ideas. People that, besides the assistant coaches, have a huge place in our um, recruiting uh, presentations. My son, Michael, uh, Pat Eckerman, uh, Anthony Ruda, who's our ops director, Hayes Myers. Uh, those guys really, really, really spend a lot of time. Riley, Paul, those guys do as much as, as an assistant coach in reality because they're the guys behind the scenes doing the presentations, doing all the cutouts. Um, you know, there's obviously graphics that have to be sent out to the recruits. Um, but we're really excited about our four freshmen. Obviously, uh, all four from the state of Arkansas, two of them played out of state. Moses Moody played at Mount Verde in Florida. And obviously, KK, um, you know, played at Oak Hill, where both the Martin twins, Caleb and Cody, who I had um, at, at Nevada, played uh, where KK is coming to us from. And so all these guys have been very well coached. And, um, you know, but we got four freshmen and, and playing college basketball is a lot different, but they all bring something different to the table. Moses at 6'6", 200 pounds, um, excellent shooter. Uh, KK Robinson's got great speed. 
Uh, Devontae Devo Davis can beat people off the bounce. He's extremely creative one-on-one. Um, and then Jalen Williams is a guy at six foot ten that can really shoot the ball. Uh, he's a natural power forward who can maybe play a little bit of a uh, five spot, but he's a really good face the basket player who can run dribble handoffs and play with the ball in his hands a lot as well. So we're excited about those four, and we're excited about our two grad transfers, Vance Jackson and Jalen Tate as well. You know, like these kids these days, they love the graphics, they love the gear, they love the facilities, the private planes, all that good stuff. You're known around college men's basketball, the king of social media. You know, you stay on social media, you stay doing fun stuff, any – uh, you know, gimmicky type stuff, but you know that's what kids like these days. You know, talk about just your presence on social media and why you you taking so much pride in that. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know, for so many years of my life, I'm 55 years old right now, and a lot of the younger coaches in the college game, um, you know, were too young. But when I was growing up in the business, I was thought of even at a young age of being old school, of being too serious. Um, of being disciplined, uh, no-nonsense coach. And then I got to a certain age in my life, um, probably right around the time I was 50 years old, the last five years where I've really tried to um, add a lot of fun, let people get behind the curtain of our program and see who we really are. Um, And so, you know, it's just so interesting in a career where many people thought, Oh, that guy's nothing but an X and O guy, doesn't know how to have fun. Now there's some younger coaches that don't think I know anything about X and O's and all I am is a gimmick guy and a social media person, which is, you know, not the truth. The truth of the matter is I grew up around one of the greatest promoters ever. My father, Bill Musselman, when he coached at Ashland College at a small school in Ohio, they had a pregame warm-up that was well beyond his, his time. Um, and he parlayed uh, the, the, the job at Ashland to, to a head job at the University of Minnesota. They brought that pregame warm-up to the Big Ten. Um, it was a Harlem Globetrotter warm-up. If you Google it, there's clips on YouTube, and people are incredibly surprised at what happened in that warm-up. There was a guy who rode a unicycle. Every player on the team could juggle three balls. Everybody could spin two balls on each finger of both hands. Um, There was figure eight drills. There was music blaring. That was in the 70s. Uh, My dad was so far ahead of his time marketing-wise. And where did my dad get all that from? From a guy by the name of Ray Mears. And Ray Mears coached at the University of Tennessee and was my dad's college coach at Wittenberg another small school in Ohio. Um, And Ray Mears, when he coached at Tennessee, they had the Ernie and Bernie show for Ernie Grunfeld and Bernard King. Um, And so my dad took all these ideas from his college coach, Ray Mears. He passed them on down, my dad did, to to myself. Um, And so um, I've always felt that promotions was a big part, especially at the college level. When you're coaching in the NBA, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not responsible for how many fans come to a game. You're not responsible for marketing. Uh, but at the college level, you are responsible for marketing your program, for drumming up interest with boosters, alumni, the student body. And so I felt like I wanted to evolve as a coach. I didn't want to be known as an old school coach that sat there and said, oh, I don't know how to work a computer. I don't know how to work a cell phone. 
I wanted to jump into uh, social media, which I have done on, on Twitter. Now I'm getting involved in Instagram and trying to learn that because that's what our, our recruits live revolves around. One thing I, I saw you did recently, the big shoe phone thing with the Shaq. I thought that was super hilarious because I know they showed that in the last dance. I saw you made a little tweet about that. Yeah, um, you know, when, with our recruiting, what we did is, is uh, you know, when the recruits come in and they put a uniform on and you take a picture, everybody in the country does that, Division Three program, everybody does it on their recruiting visits. So I said, how can we do something a little bit different? And so we started recreating NBA scenes. Um, and so I did that uh, with every recruit that came on campus this year, whether it was um, Iverson stepping over Ty Lu, and I was Ty Lu, and the recruit was Iverson. Um, we did we we had a lot of fun with that stuff throughout the whole twelve months, and so I wanted to end that theme. Um, once our guy signed, I grabbed the shoe like Iverson when he grabbed Shaquille O'Neal's shoe at the All Star game, and acted like I was answering the phone with the recruits telling me that they had sign their paperwork, and that we're fully committed to Arkansas. So you got to have fun, man, and, and, and uh, you got to get creative. And, you know, some people don't like the stuff. Those are people that can't come up with their own creative ideas, so they like to hate on you a little bit. <laughs> no hate no hate around here, Coach. <laughs> Coach, look, I didn't, I didn't know about your father and, and everything like that, so I quickly just Googled it, and I'm watching the warm-up. Man, first of all, the intro to the court, they had like a little – wave of little something going on how they doing like you said that the figure eight and all that that's actually unique are you guys going to adapt this at arkansas or, <laughs> or what, what, what's what's how's that warm-up gonna look yeah so when my father passed away um and I, I went and moved all this stuff out of his home in florida um there was a suitcase that was hidden i never even knew this suitcase existed and my dad had a 14 page uh layout of how to teach that pregame warm-up I took it. We implemented it in Nevada. If you keep Googling and you Google pregame warm-up Nevada, you'll see that we did it by first year. That's um, right up there. That's the next thing um, underneath the, the – under Minnesota. And our guys did a great job with it, I mean. But it was very time-consuming. It took about 20 minutes every practice. That's how we started. I wish I would have done that my last year at Nevada when we were sold out and had standing room only crowds. I did it too early and people really didn't know what to expect. And our players got a little bit burned out by it. Um, I have not really thought to bring that here, but, but it's a good thought. It's something I'm going to talk about with our staff. Um, but yet yeah, if you, and as you're watching that, that university of Minnesota team that's on that clip, Clay Thompson's dad is one of those players. That's Michael Thompson, who is the number one pick in the NBA draft. Called the, is he the one called the quarterback? Who was the, the quarterback? Somebody on here was the. Yeah, the, the main guy in all that who's orchestrating it all is Phil Flip Saunders. And obviously, Flip went on to be the head coach of the Detroit Pistons and the Minnesota Timberwolves. But Flip Saunders was on that team. Uh, Michael Thompson's on that team. Tony Dungy, who coached in the NFL, is on that team. Uh, Dave Winfield, who is an MLB All-Star, is on that team. So there's a lot of big-time people on, on that cop uh, that went through that pregame warm-up over a three-year time span. 
Coach, are you, you sharing? Can you, can you share the uh, the warm up? <laughs> that's gonna stay in the private. That's gonna stay in the private vault. Like uh, no, nobody's getting that. I'm saving that. Let me take a time out to tell you about my friends over at Soul Lounge, Houston's premier boutique for the latest fashions. Chinatown Market? Check. BBC? You know they got all that. You know Adidas? Man, they got all of that stuff too. The swag, the footwear, Yeezys, and they got everything. No Referees Podcast and Soul Lounge is partnered up to bring you a special offer for listening to this episode. Go online to soullounghtx.com and enter promo code no rules to get 20% off your entire purchase. That's no rules. All one word, all caps. Soul Lounge. Live what you love. Coach, just recruiting, like when you're sitting, um, in, in these young men home and things like that, like, what are, what are you selling? You know, Arkansas, obviously, is, is a beautiful place. Um, you know, wh- what, are you, what are you selling? Yeah, I mean, I think number one is, you know, every recruit's different. So, you, you know, you got you to get to know the player as best that you possibly can. Um, that becomes really, really important. And, um, you know, I, I don't really like to use the word uh, selling. I just like to use the word like – you know, who are we? Like, what are we about? What is, what does our university represent? And obviously at Arkansas, um, tremendous amount of, uh, history. You know, when you think about a program that's won a national championship, when you look at the coaches that have been here from Eddie Sutton to Nolan Richardson to Mike Anderson, um, there's been some incredibly great coaches, um, here at Arkansas. There's been some incredibly great players the Sidney Moncriefs and the Ron Brewer Sr. and Ronnie Brewer Jr. And you can go on and on and on at the great players that, that have played here, Corliss Williamson and Joe Klein. And um, so there's great history. Bud Walton is, is a 20,000-seat arena uh, that we sell out uh, many of our games. So it's, 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 it's just a really special place. And there's a lot of little things like um, our academic center – the Jones Center, which Jerry Jones, um, the Cowboys owner, um, it's named after him, and that's where our players eat and do study hall um, is, is a state-of-the-art building, and our weight room's incredible. So I think there's so many things that we can educate recruits about how special Arkansas truly is. And what makes us really unique, there's no pro sports in our entire state, no NHL team, no MLB team, no NBA team, and no NFL team. So if you're an Arkansas Razorback player, regardless of sport, you, you have some star quality to you, and it's statewide. And Coach, hey, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm from Dallas, you know, so, hey, you know, mention the Cowboys. I know you had your Raiders jersey on oh. uh, and your little pre-draft little, uh, hey, Cleveland, uh, what, what's, what's their team in Cleveland, what they call? You know the name of the teams. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, I'm going to stay right there recruiting, so – at Nevada, I don't want to touch on Nevada too much, but, you know, the last year you guys had a credible run, you know, top 25 program all year, made it to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, you got a certain level of kid that you recruited at 
that particular program. You know, what type of level of kid are you recruiting now at Arkansas to bring this program back to be the top 25 program? Yeah, I think every program, um, you know, has a different um, way of doing it. And, you know, the way that we did it in Nevada was through the transfers. Um, you know, we had Cody and Caleb Martin. They were two huge pieces for what we were trying to do. And, you know, our fourth year there, we were ranked 17 straight weeks in the top 10. The year before, we had made a sweet 16. Um, and we made that sweet 16 run after we had a terrible injury an Achilles tear um, to the guy that was kind of attached to my hip and Lindsey Drew. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, when you think of a place like Nevada and you go to three straight NCAA tournaments, it was, it was an awesome experience. I was able to be around some really, really competitive players. We were able to recruit to what I wanted, which was a bunch of multi-positional players who could play more than three positions. Um, and could create mismatches, and we wanted to play with good pace. Not, not reckless pace, but a good pace of play. Um, we played all man-to-man -man in, in, in my five years in college as far as our defense. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just trying to recruit as competitively natured uh, people as you possibly can who have a high desire and a high will to win. Yeah, in Nevada, y'all known as transfer you over there. We were, but it's really interesting. Even though we had a lot of transfers, it all started with Lindsey Drew, uh, who came in as a freshman, and Cameron Oliver. And Cameron went in the NBA draft. He came out of school after his sophomore year. But those two guys were really the catalyst to everything we do. Both those guys, um, Lindsey and Cam, started every game their freshman and sophomore year. Um, and they were the start of really who we became. I have some questions for you, Coach. Shifting, shifting gears a little bit. What's, what's, um, what's, what's practice like? You know, I know a lot of different things. Are you a routine guy? Are y'all, you know, offense first, defense? You spend this much on defense, this much on offense. You're, you know, day before the game. You know, what, what is, what, what, what's that stuff like? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was, I was, I had a conversation with Rex Walters the other day, and. Rex was an assistant this past year at Wake Forest, and he played in the NBA. Uh, he was a head coach in the D-League for Detroit. You know, he, he had a good career in the NBA as a player, and he said he'd never been around a coach that managed injuries and small rosters like we had. And, you know, I think, again, perception is not always reality. A lot of people think that we have long practices when in reality I've never had a practice in my life longer than two hours. We, um, you know, we like to go roughly an hour and a half, but there's no standing around. It's extremely organized. Uh, I've modeled all of our practices after football practices. So there's station work. Um, there's a horn that goes off a lot of times like a football practice. Um, everything's, you know, to the minute. Although I do think you've got to have flexibility and you've got to have a great read and pulse for your team. Um, the one thing I hate is when a team becomes bored. Um, and I often tell our staff that I have coaching ADD, meaning I hate, um, I hate when coaches talk too long. I hate when practice becomes monotonous. I think you've always got to jolt your team with a new drill or something different. We always add a play before every game. We usually start that game with a new play that nobody's ever seen the players, it adds a little bit of excitement coming in to shoot around. 
to work on that particular play and who's the play going to be the go-to guy and so on and so forth. But, and then our shoot arounds, I, I changed my shoot arounds. Uh, when I was fired from the Golden State Warriors, I, I actually had an office with the Oakland Raiders. Um, and I went in there and I went to practices and modeled a bunch of what we do on game day shoot arounds and the day before a game um, off what NFL teams did. I spent a lot of time around Coach Gruden when he was coaching the Tampa Bay Bucks, and um, have tried to model a lot of things, what we do, how NFL teams prepare the day before a game from a preparation standpoint. So Y'all got some Spider 24 banana plays? We don't have that. Those are too long to yell out when you're playing a road game in the SEC. <laughs> so what, what, what does success look like for your program? Like what does that look like? When you, when you hear success or when you think of, you know, a successful program, and obviously you, you've been part of that, but like you said, every, everywhere is different. What does that look like for Arkansas men's basketball? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the time and the year. Like for us this past year, you know, what was success? Well, you know, success was playing as hard as we could, getting the fans to buy into our style of play, uh, for our players to feel like they maximize their talent. Um, certainly we want to try to build off year one and going into year two. We want to have a better year than we just came off. Um, does that mean we set a win total? Not necessarily. Do we want to be an NCAA tournament team? Absolutely. Um, so then how do you go about it? Uh, you know, a lot of like Coach Neighbors, our women's coach, he doesn't like to set goals. He thinks that then that limits your team. And, um, you know, I've listened, he and I have had conversations about that. And I think he makes a great point. Like, how do you maximize each day is really what I think the most important factor in coaching is. And then you build off that day on Monday and you get better on Tuesday. And then Tuesday, you get a little bit better on Wednesday and so on and so forth. Well, if you said, well, Mike, you know, he's a, he's a flat out numbers guy. Like he is. <laughs> When I, was, I know when, when he coached me, um, like he can tell you the, down to the percentile of each person um, that we were competing against. Like his mind is just um, very different. Um, he also has a, a, an outstanding movie and, and, and book collection. If you, if you yeah, coach, coach Neighbors, it's, it's awesome. You know, when you're a college coach, it's really cool to be able to, like Coach Neighbors and I did a podcast the other day together. Um, I also did it with our women's soccer coach, Colby Hale, where we did a podcast together. And I've kind of been hosting a, a few of those hog pods. And they've been really fun because you can always learn um, from other coaches in other sports. Coach, I want to switch back to your family real quick. You know, everybody, again, doesn't – everybody doesn't follow coach at, at Eric P. Musselman. He a great follow, and it's all about family. Like you say, your son coaches with you on staff, so it has to be a pleasure. Um, your wife's always involved in the program. Take me to the take me back to the Final Four. Your daughter Mariah, you know she's interviewing coaches, interviewing people at the Final Four. And I heard a story that you got stopped because you didn't have a credential, but it, the, but the security people knew who Mariah Musselman was because of her interviews nationwide. Tell me about that story. Yeah, so what, what happened actually was um, we had lost in the Sweet 16, and Mariah got so much airtime, um, and they interviewed her a lot um, while we were on that Sweet 16 run. 
And she's really not shy at all. You know, my wife, Danielle, worked for ESPN, worked for the NFL Network, um, and was really good, you know, as an as, as a on-camera person. And Mariah has stepped into her footsteps. So we're getting ready to go to the Final Four, and Danielle says, I need a headshot of you. And I said, what do you need a headshot of me for? And she says, well, you're not going to be able to get, you know, behind the – you know, scenes at the final four with Mariah, you need a credential. And I said, what are you talking about? We just, I just coached in a sweet 16 game. How do I need a credential to be around my eight year old? But that's exactly what happened. Um, I had to walk around um, as she was interviewing people like Jay Wright. Um, and I had to have my credential on or I couldn't walk with my daughter because she had all access, and I did not have all access. That must have been a cool time, though, to see your daughter get that shine, you know, interviewing all these coaches, like you said, stepping into your wife's footsteps. That had to be pretty cool, though. It really was. I mean, she did a great job, and some of the coaches, like Jay Wright, was awesome with Mariah, and, and Bill Self did a great job um, with Mariah. Um, you know, Michigan was, was in the Final Four that year, and, and um, you know, she got a chance. Coach Beeline was a little bit more – um, you know, straightforward where, where Jay Wright and Bill Self joked around with Mariah a little bit more. So, uh, but what a, what a really, really neat experience. Obviously, Loyola was, was in the uh, final four and, and um, the Loyola coaching staff and their players were great because that's who had beaten us. Um, but those, those, you know, all the players on that Loyola team were such class acts and so is their coaching staff. And, um, but it was really cool for Mariah to get that experience. So now when she gets out of college, um, she's going to have a, a, a roll tape that she can just put, put out there for her interviews. Hey, and, she got, and she got you, and then she got her mom, you know, to make them pick up that phone, make them phone call. She's got her mom, not me. I don't know how much help I can be, but Danielle's got a great reputation. She can certainly help. Now tell us something behind the scenes that most people don't know about Coach Musselman. Like, what do you like behind the scenes that nobody knows about? I love the beach. Um, you know, for even though I, you know, my dad coached the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and I went to my last few years of high school in Ohio, um, you know, when it was my choice, I went right back to San Diego, went to the University of San Diego. Um, if anybody could say, hey, man, you got one day, you know, what are you going to do? You got tomorrow. I would say just let me go to San Diego let me ride that boardwalk. Let me go to Alberto's and get a burrito. Um, that, to me, is a perfect day. Riding up and down the boardwalk on a beach cruiser and eating a burrito, I'm good. Well, Coach, we appreciate you coming on No Referees podcast today. Take some time out to chat, chat with us, give us some inside stories, um, share, share some cool stuff about the Razorbacks. And I just want to say, um, we want to say, you know, good luck this upcoming season. Whenever the season comes back with your – your top-rated recruiting class. We'll be rooting for you guys, and we uh, just hope to see success for you down the road. No, I want both of you to know thank you so much for having me on. It's been a lot of fun, and keep doing what you do for basketball. The No Referees podcast continues to gain traction, and people are talking about what you're doing, and, and uh, I just appreciate you guys having me on. Thank Thanks, you. Coach. Thank Mel you. Burke told me to tell you hello, and you tell Earl I said Cleveland. I will. I will. Tell Melvin I said what's up as well. Surely. What high school did you go to? I played at East Tech, and then I went to Lutheran East. 
So Mel Burke was at East Tech, and yes. yeah, and then uh, you know Earl Reality Sports. Burke has uh, ran Reality Sports, and Mel, I mean uh, Earl has always been a part of it. So I've been wow. watching Earl since I was like a little girl. Unbelievable! That's so yeah. cool. You know, basketball, basketball world so small, whatever, men's or women's. So small. Well, awesome. <laughs> Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, everybody, everybody, please go follow Coach Musselman on his Twitter page, his social media pages at Eric P. Musselman, his team pages at Razorbacks MBB. That's the head coach of University of Arkansas men's basketball, Eric Musselman. Thank you, sir. Go Hogs. Go Hogs. Go that hog call. Woo! <laughs> and do it! <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Referees Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at No Referees Pod. Till the next episode, we out.